Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod! All right, the Westside Personalized Podcast is back this week, and I am at Westside Middle School and having an opportunity to chat with uh, Liz Galinsky here, who is an English teacher at the middle school and is someone I've had an opportunity to get a chance to know and work with a little bit over the course of the uh, last couple of years yeah. um, with this personalized learning initiative that we have. And so welcome to the podcast, I guess, to start off with. Thank you. And uh, I guess for the people that don't really know you, if you could give us kind of some background uh, about kind of your time in education and your experience and some of the classes that you currently teach, that'd be really great. Yeah. So this is my fourth year teaching and I've always taught at Westside Middle School. I graduated from UNL in 2015, and I student taught high school, and then ended up in middle school, and at first I wasn't sure how that was going to go, but I do really like it. Yeah. Um, What would you say is one of the biggest, in your perspective, what would you say is one of the biggest differences between the high school and middle school? Students are very different, because they're at a totally, you know, 12 and 13 is a really weird age for everyone. Mm -hmm. It's just time that they're kind of, they're now in this building where they haven't met these people before so they're making new relationships but also like they're also figuring out like a lot of things about themselves and like yeah they do that in high school but they kind of have their friend base it stays the same when they move um, up they've been around the same people so maturity weirdness Mm -hmm. Um, it's a couple of years you get a chance to really be a big part of their experience during that critical time right and it's like different teaching too because like in high school you do a lot of like diving in deep but then like this middle school stuff is a lot of teaching skills still Mm -hmm. a lot of the skills that Mm -hmm. they need to get to the high school um, so it's different, but I like it. Great. And so, you, so you've been here the whole time, and you're yes. currently teaching which class? Uh, seventh grade language arts, and okay. I teach. So we do a 90-minute block. So I teach three classes. Nice, nice. Well, what was kind of your first? Because uh, you came through personalized learning, mm-hmm. uh, professional experience day that we went through. Yeah. Uh, and what would you say was kind of the things from that that time that you took away that you felt like you wanted to that led you to want to start to implement this stuff in your classroom? Uh, I wanted to, I've always wanted to make it meaningful for them, like their learning meaningful to them. Um, So sometimes that means like applying it to their lives, but also I wanted them to have some choice. I think that's kind of one of the easiest personalized learning is giving them choice. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of things that are, I mean, personalized learning has lots of it's like a spectrum and some of it's easier and some of it's way more challenging yeah and i agree with you i would say that like starting off Mm -hmm. uh, differentiation or choice Mm -hmm. is really the uh the entry point for most people yeah right so still being a relatively new teacher i didn't want to like overwhelm myself i guess Mm -hmm. so that's kind of what i chose um i also wasn't happy with the unit that i had been teaching for the previous three years um, so I wanted, I knew I wanted to do something different and I thought it was a good opportunity to allow it because it was a literature circle unit where they were going to already have some choice with what they were reading. And from there, there's lots of places where they could have some personalization. Yeah. And there's typically, the more I talk with teachers, I guess there's a kind of three characteristics that lead to someone trying to personalize a unit. It's either the uh, curriculum is brand new and they're okay. like, well, we might as well personalize anyway. We're starting all over with right. something, you know, fresh. Uh, or it's a stale unit, something that they just felt mm-hmm. like needed to be livened up, or then it's something that already has rich differentiation in it. And it sounds like two of those three 
kind of met your need. I guess. Yeah. So you're like, yeah, I kind of wanted to revamp this anyway. There's already some choice in there. Right. So this might be a logical It's a good place unit to, to try that. it. Yeah. Yeah. So we got a chance to visit last year about mm-hmm. this a little bit and over the summer and kind of the, the process behind all of that. And so do you want to talk maybe just a little bit about kind of your first, because uh, you tried some things on a smaller scale before you decided to go with the entire unit. Right. So last year I kind of implemented a few things that we had talked about, either you and I or with Carol Steiner, who you had Mm -hmm. talked to about her unit. And some of that was, I know we talked about calendars, um, having them keep calendars. We talked about um, some choice in annotation, um, annotation style. And I did try some of that last year and I found success with it. So I was very comfortable trying those things um, again. From those early ones, what, what would you say, um, when you say success, like mm-hmm. what, what did that look like for the calendars or for the annotations, I guess, uh, compared uh, to what maybe you had done traditionally? Okay, so for with the calendars, it's a lot of self-pacing. So I give them like the due dates for things um, and what the expectation is to complete by certain times. And they have to take that. Um, and that's kind of a hard skill to self-monitor for anyone, let alone middle schooler. <laughs> right. Um, so that... I guess it wasn't successful for everyone, but I could. It was successful for me because I could see where I needed to change things for this year, especially since like second semester student is very different from a first semester student, especially sure. coming to a new building for them. Um, they're still learning a lot of the ropes about being a middle schooler, so I could see where I needed to put in more um, preparation for them about writing their own goals and coming up with what do they need to do at home versus what can they do during work time at school. So that was successful. And then like the choice and annotation, as long as they're showing me the skill, it doesn't matter to me how they're doing it. So if it's something that, you know, a student hates writing on paper, but suddenly, you know, they have a digital version and mm-hmm. they are totally fine with that, then I, that was successful, you know? Yeah. I didn't need to fight them anymore because they're like, oh, I'll just do it on my computer. And that's easier. Well, yeah, when you do have those choices, I think that gets kind of back to that love and logic principles that mm-hmm. I sometimes parent from that lens, I guess. That's kind of a parenting model is to give people choices. Your students, right. excuse me, give your kids choices. Right, uh, but you give them the choice and you still get the what you want in the end. Exactly. So you only give them the choice you're comfortable with. Yeah, for sure, for <laughs> yeah. sure. And uh, I love that you started with the calendar piece because I think that Sometimes the person is learning, I feel like it's great to start with choice. Don't get me wrong. Like I mm-hmm. love people, the idea of getting started, I love the idea of differentiation, but it really, I think, starts to take hold in terms of developing skills and really what we're after as agency with person's right. learning when they have to start to reflect on their learning process and come up with those types of strategies mm-hmm. uh, to be successful. And, uh, you know, I heard in your comment there that, well, you know, not every student was successful with this. Right. And I think that's okay. Right. And I think that like just giving them the opportunity mm-hmm. to figure out, oh, this isn't. Hold on. Right. <laughs> I don't. I don't have the ability to navigate something like this, and and to ask them to do that for the first time at twelve mm-hmm. is fantastic. I mean, like, right. Well, especially for some of those students that are like UI or are higher ability in language arts, and they like everything we do is since there's no differentiated levels of language arts like there is math like Mm -hmm. they're all on the same page so this is an opportunity for them to self-pace and maybe take a more rigorous course than someone who needs the more structured calendar i suppose and seeing that everybody's still getting like through the material that they're expected to get through and kind of checking all the boxes as far as standards and indicators is concerned but yeah that's awesome that they 
you kind of move through that and mm-hmm. spend more time where, where there's needed. So, so you did those two things, mm-hmm. uh, and over the summer then, really end of last year and over the summer, we got a chance to talk about the unit that you built. So mm-hmm. uh, do you want to kind of talk a little bit about what content is, mm-hmm. is going on there and yeah, just explain from the onset, I guess, what that looked like? So it is a literature circle unit where the students pick to an extent what they're reading. Um, so they had a choice of four novels, mostly in elements of fiction review, but it's more it's done more independently than they've probably done previously. Um, we do a lot with the elements on the plot chart in that unit and also a lot with characterization. So then they, they read the books. It's kind of the first time that they're independently being assessed on annotation because in the previous unit where we read The Giver, um, we do a lot of guided annotation with short stories and then some chapters from The Giver. Um, and I check them and I give them feedback, but this time they get a lot more, um, you know, you're reading a fourth of your novel and you have 10 annotations in that space. Mm-hmm. And I'm not checking it until the weekend, so there's no immediate feedback for that. They do some character sketches and analysis. We have a form that we use at the middle school that asks them to pick two character traits and have two pieces of text evidence to support it. They have to tell us why they're the protagonist or the antagonist and if they're dynamic or static. And then at the bottom it talks about motivations, like what motivates the character. Um, So they do that for their unit. They have a big project, which we worked on together this summer, that focuses a little bit on character and a little bit on theme, Mm because it's kind of the first time they're assessed on theme. We do a lot of talking about different themes, building them together, but this is kind of their big first time where they do it by themselves. And that's kind of, those are kind of the main focuses, the annotation, the characterization, and the theme. Okay, and so then for that project mm-hmm. that uh, you had a chance to personalize and think through, uh, so maybe speak to that a little bit and all of its parts. So that was probably the least successful part okay. of the unit. It was the first time doing Like, I've done those. We'd built it when you had given, you'd given suggestions for, like, the menu style, which I had, we'd done menu style before, um, but we had, I'd never done it for this unit. So I wasn't 100% sure, I guess, on how to build to it to be super helpful to them because I also wasn't totally sure what their projects would come out looking like Mm -hmm. because I need I was like well you kind of are my guinea pigs so we're gonna see what you guys make and these (laughs) are the instructions and they're a little bit vague and we'll see what you do Um, which it worked out for most of them they did a really great job because they had the freedom to kind of come up with what they wanted but you know some kids made videos um, some kids did like stop-motion videos um, with theme Uh, we had students that did like a newscast where they interviewed characters uh, we had I did have a few students choose to go the non-creative route and they wrote an essay instead, mm-hmm. um, which was totally fine for them. I think um, we even said the high schools, you know, as well. But mm-hmm. for some people, that is uh, where their aptitudes lie, right? And so why not play to your strengths? Exactly. Um, so that was nice that they could kind of pick something that they were good at and build it. But I did see a lot of students who struggled with that freedom because I guess I don't know because um, I don't communicate a ton with the elementary schools if they've had that kind of freedom before mm-hmm. in a project. And so some kids, they just had no idea where to start, so it became a lot of, I, maybe I should have... I tried to build as much of it as possible. Like I gave them the question they were going to have at the end, at the beginning. It's also hard to convince them to think about something that's happening in four weeks. <laughs> sure. Okay, well, let's annotate for this now because you're going to look at it in four weeks, and they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, that's, uh, and just that whole process, that's something that, you know, last year, or even back to whenever I was in the classroom myself, it's hard to help someone think creatively. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. Right? Because either it's you sort of giving them 
the creative part. Right. Yeah. Or you have to find like a series and really be patient in understanding who they are and ask these questions. And when you have a class that is demanding and, and mm-hmm. full and all over the place with like, their process, that can be a challenge. And something, a couple of pieces that I have created or I'm in the process of creating, mm-hmm. uh, so I'll do a quick plug, I guess. I'll put together the I Create. Right. Site. That would have been great. I know. <laughs> so bad. Uh, I got a chance to visit with you last week and yeah. say, hey, I got this thing done, by the way, in the meantime. And you're like, thanks. That this would have been really helpful. <laughs> much earlier. But at least it's there. It is. It's there now. And, you know, that could be a resource in the future that could help it go well. And I could even, you know, do a very similar project the next time around we read novels and It'll, they'll know what they're doing, and maybe that'll help them. those that struggled find that success. Yeah, that, and that's, that was kind of my whole goal with that. Right. And so whether you go onto our website and you can click, after listening to this podcast, it'll be in the show notes, uh, or you could go online and just type in, I create Westside, and it'll come up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what is there is just a, it's very simple. It's a Google site that says, I want to create dot, 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 and it has video or an image or a drawing or a painting or a blog or a, I don't know, online discussion or whatever it is mm-hmm. that the student might poster, infographic menu, all those things. Uh, and then you can just sort of hand that off to them and say, mm-hmm. well, if you don't have an idea, you can go kind of look and see what's there. Uh, I'd ideally like to start to put examples on there too when oh, the time yeah. comes, but uh, I haven't quite got to that step yet because I want to have like a rich mm-hmm. bank of those I think, right. before I kind of go to that place. But so there's that piece. <laughs> and then also uh, I'm in the process too right now thinking about what, what types of questions are almost that brainstorm, like standard brainstorming steps mm-hmm. to figuring out how to do something like that and putting those in a Google oh, form yeah. uh, to just share that people could obviously tinker with. But mm-hmm. So when it comes to personalized learning, I don't think that that or any educational initiative is a magic you know, bullet that's going right. to solve all the world's problems. <coughs> uh, and there are obviously students that, uh, and it's got to be tough in seventh grade especially because you're pulling from so many different backgrounds and experiences mm-hmm. across all the buildings right. and it will be hard for you to really know right. uh, where everyone's coming from. But for the students that did do okay to mm-hmm. pretty well with this, what right. would you say, I don't know, was kind of your insights, I guess, with the like, educational benefit of that or just as a, <coughs> yeah, what would you say? Well, I think that one thing that was pretty obvious is they were excited about it. You know, they were excited to create the project. They were excited to, you know, because I did try the, the digital book snaps too. Um, oh, they're yeah. excited to use their phones in class. So they're like, oh, I I can I can have Snapchat open right now, and it's like yeah you can as long as you're annotating with annotating it, sure. with it sure. Um, so that got a lot of kids that wouldn't have been excited about annotating. Like no one's like yes I got to <laughs> sign ten annotations for homework. Yeah. Um, but they they were more excited about doing it, and they played with it, and they put their bitmojis in there, and they had filters, and they like they thought that was great. So that excitement to learn was awesome. I think that the buy-in, which kind of goes into the excitement to learn, was there. And I also think that for students that did well with this, they weren't bored with pacing because they did have the opportunity to kind of pace themselves. And if they wanted to do the more rigorous course, they could. Mm -hmm. So I think those are all important things that sometimes don't always, students don't always find success with when you have a gen ed classroom where you have both low and high. Sure. Um, how can you service all of them? And this unit helped a lot with that by having different levels of <laughs> different different levels of commitment with the calendar and also the annotations and the project. Like how how invested do I have to get to still get to the same means? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something <laughs> that engagement is so important in mm-hmm. education. There's a million different ways to elicit that. I think mm-hmm. uh, as best you you know there's. 
we could talk all day about those things. Right. But personally, I appreciate, and I think one of the things, the strengths of personalized learning is just that, that so much of that engagement comes from ownership. Right. Uh, and I think when you can, when you're living in both those places where it's like, oh, I, oh, I'm in control of this and mm-hmm. I can, I have options and I can pick. I'm going to be engaged by that, but I think it's a genuine engagement versus right. one that's just more of a, uh, which is also great too when people are just excited. Yeah, <laughs> Play right. a game or do something fun like that. Right. Uh, I, I think all of those are great takes. So I'm not saying anything negative mm-hmm. about playing games. But to see a student with just the, just the content mm-hmm. <laughs> take ownership of that or, or development of a skill uh, and be excited because their learning is just, it's neat. Right. It's really fun. So kind of reflections on the experience as a whole, what would you sort of leave uh, all that kind of saying or what would you impart to somebody? Um, or, or maybe what do you see, your, maybe the first question would be this, what, do you, what would you do differently next time? Um, I think I have a little bit better idea of how I need to better scaffold when we do our first unit because it is still very early in the year for all mm-hmm. of that independence. I think that something that I could do differently in the future. It, yeah, it all goes back to that planning, really. Like, because I'd never done it, I didn't know how to get some of those ones there who were struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of reverted back on old techniques for like, okay, well now you're gonna do that. Like, I'm telling you what you're going to do, sure. which isn't exactly what I wanted, but it did help those. And of course there's always gonna be students that, you know, maybe this isn't, they're not ready at 12 mm-hmm. to have that independence and they are going to need that. And I think it's okay to recognize that too, um, because you're not you're not ruining the learning experience for the student. You're helping them where they're at right now. Right. Instead of just like saying, "Oh no, you need to figure out how many pages you need to read today." It's just tell them mm-hmm. because they're not ready to decide how many pages they need to read today. And they can sort of reflect on adjusting that maybe after, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, to yeah. begin with, they might sort of need some direction. Yes. I can totally see that. As you're talking, I was thinking about even back whenever I first kind of got started at the high school mm-hmm. uh, here with some of that work and that I, you know I decided well if I make video audio and like written instructions for whatever I would normally give as lecture then we don't have to lecture and everybody wins right like nobody has to right. sit, sit and listen <laughs> and so I implemented that and almost immediately there were students that came up and said well I, I really my preference would be for you to lecture on this can you right. please do that mm-hmm. and Oh, it's like I spent all this time and effort and I building gave them this. all this like yeah freedom and choice, and, and then they wanted something that I wasn't even, or they needed something probably right. better way to say it that, than uh, I had anticipated, mm-hmm. and I think that's what kind of made at least my experience with some of this fun right. too was to sort of say okay, how do I do that right. <laughs> and then find ways to to support that and forward because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a preference or it's a skill that, mm-hmm. and like as you mentioned, this is a time when in education though too is it not like good to continue to be skill developing, but right. particularly you know getting them ready for high school as you mentioned earlier, right. it, you know it's just cool to be to be kind of about that at this stage mm-hmm. um, and asking them for those things. And so if you had any words to impart to somebody else kind of interested in starting out with this work a little bit, uh, what might you say to them to? Uh, well, I don't know what other people have said, but I'm going to say it's okay to fail. Because, like, not only is it okay because you're trying something new, but, like, the students forgive you. Because mm-hmm. I often would be like, I've never done this before. That didn't work. We're going to try again. Sure. Um, and they're they're okay with that. So if you, they're okay with it and you're okay with it, then there's it's okay. Yeah. I, 
I think the students are really forgiving when you, you just openly admit that you're trying something new. But right. They, and you try to articulate the benefits. Right. Uh, they go with that. And I got to think, too, that there's something to the classroom culture when the person that's leading the class is right. saying, hey, I'm going to take a risk and right. I'm okay with maybe this working and maybe it not. And when it doesn't, I can own that mm-hmm. uh, and just turn you know, right. from, from that place and not just give up or be frustrated or play it safe. Well, and sometimes they have good advice on how to, they're like, yeah. you know what would have helped me is, and they're perfect. I like that answer. <laughs> right. Um, so. You're like, I never would have thought about, or there was even, uh, last week I was talking with an English teacher at the high school, and we made this form this summer for goals, and, the, uh, mm-hmm. and it all sort of plays out as they're filling out this on a daily basis from the top of the page down, and a student had gone in and taken that same format, but just moved it so that it read left to right, because for her and her brain, like it that's the work. way that it needed <laughs> to work. And it was cool to see uh, her not only value that piece, but value it enough and understand her preferences to mm-hmm. just manipulate what was already there. And I guess that's to kind of get around to your point that sometimes by just providing these options, you make space for them to fill in the gaps that you don't even, because it's not part of how you would learn, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Like to, uh, to create those types of things or choices or whatever you know, mm-hmm. uh, the case may be. So, yeah? Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for taking some time today. Really appreciate you visiting and kind of yeah. sharing some of the stuff that you did. I had a lot of fun getting a chance to work with you on all this, and yes. hopefully we'll get a chance to you know continue to work on some stuff moving forward. Yeah. Thank you for all your help. Yeah. I definitely would look forward to working on stuff in the future. So Awesome. Oh, well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.net. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.